Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, we're talking some more college football this week, even though today is a national holiday. It's week one of college basketball, day one of college basketball, really. I just got back from Assembly Hall. I went to the Indiana-Eastern Michigan game. Uh, a lot closer than I think Hoosier fans would have liked it to be. Uh, but a win is a win, and the Mike Woodson era starts off with a win for the Hoosiers. Anyway, uh, let's talk some football, though. And, well, me and Reed... Our, our goal was to record the minute we got home, but there were playoff rankings when I got home. So the first thing we're going to talk about here on the show is playoff rankings. And joining me to talk about this latest batch of college football playoff rankings, the minute they released, it's the one and only Reed Murray. Reed, what's going on? Well, Ohio State also got a pretty close basketball game yeah, against, against Akron. A, I don't actually know how good team. Akron yeah. is. The, <laughs> the announcers were saying that Akron's a good team. So I'll take their word for it, I guess, but a um, little concerned. But you know what? I like I love Ohio State basketball, but the football team is my main concern. So mm-hmm. at least in no football. in November, December, January, then this is football season for a few more months. Then the minute the whistle's blown to the national championship, we can we can get into basketball. But for now, it's football season. I'm with you, Reed. And speaking of football season, uh, it doesn't get much bigger than this. The college football playoff rankings just released. Uh, following week 10, another tumultuous week of college football. Uh, and I think these rankings are, you know, just about as controversial as they've ever been. Right. Um, so let's, let's go from top to bottom in these, these rankings. So here's what we're seeing. Uh, if I can find them and pull them up. Okay, here we go. The number one team is Georgia Bulldogs, number two, Alabama, number three, Oregon, fourth, Ohio State, five, Cincinnati, six, Michigan, seven, Michigan State, eight, Oklahoma, nine, Notre Dame, 10, Oklahoma State. I'm going to leave it at that. You can look up the rest of the rankings yourself if you want, but that is the top 10 right now. A couple changes in this week's batch of rankings, including Michigan State dropping due to a loss to Purdue, something we'll talk about later, the Boilermakers entering the poll at number 19. Um a few other Big Ten teams ranked outside of the top 10. Purdue at 19, of course. Uh, Iowa 20th. Wisconsin 18th. Uh, that's it for Big Ten representation, though. So three East teams, three West teams. Reed, when you look at, at these rankings, what's the first thing that sticks out to you? Uh, the first thing that sticks out to me is where in the where in God's green earth is Penn State. I agree. I agree. Completely because, agree. Because, um, you know, we were talking about this on the phone. Um, they have the same record as some teams that are ranked. They have the same record as Auburn and Wisconsin, and they beat both and of those teams. And they beat them head-to-head. Head. And, and we talk about those head-to-head wins. Number one, I think because of that, there's no doubt in my mind Penn State should be ranked. I know they lost to Illinois. I know they lost you know, to Iowa. I don't, I don't think it's fair to count that Iowa game against them. They didn't have Sean Clifford. But they lost to Illinois. They lost to Ohio State. And, yes, they did lose the game to Iowa. But they're still 6-3, and three, same record as, plenty, as other, two other teams that are ranked who they beat head to head. They beat Auburn. They beat Wisconsin. That blows my mind that Penn state's not ranked. Um, and, and I am not the quickest to defend Penn state. I don't, I, I don't think that at all, but th- this is just completely unfair. This is a team that absolutely deserves to be ranked. If, if you're basing it off of that criteria that Wisconsin and Auburn are apparently ranked teams. And I think they are, then Penn state actually should be in there too. Uh, th- one thing is the committee is super inconsistent right now with the concept of the head-to-head victory. And I think it's pretty much the simplest thing to include. The head-to-head victory doesn't always make for the better team, but I think it's an important stat in deciding, you know, close calls. And one spot where the head-to-head victory 
was used is at number three and number four with Oregon being a spot ahead of Ohio state at three and four. Uh, and one spot where it wasn't used is Michigan state being seventh to the Michigan Wolverine six. These two teams played well, two weeks ago at this point, Michigan state won in East Lansing. They, they beat Michigan at home. Both teams were undefeated. Obviously this week, Michigan state goes on and loses to Purdue, but you know, these two teams are a spot apart and yet, the team who won when the two teams played is the team who's the spot behind Reed. Does that make any sense to you? Because I think it it might be one of the dumbest rankings I've ever seen. Yeah, it doesn't quite make sense to me. And, um, and I was having a conversation with a math teacher at my school about this. And we're both in agreement that there's no sort of nuance, the rankings at all. It's literally just, if you lose, you drop. And if you win, you rise. And, you know, no one can ever stay the same um or or like there's just no consistency we see you know michigan state rises a lot after they beat michigan and then they drop once they, lose, uh, they drop below michigan once they lose to purdue which it doesn't make any sense if we're talking if this was week two when that game happened and now they're being behind michigan that could possibly make sense because there could have been more some more results we found out everybody team um but this is two weeks ago we're talking about this is Two games ago, Michigan State beat Michigan fair and square. Both teams played great games. Both teams looked good in that game. It wasn't – there was no sort of fluky nonsense going on. That was a fair and square win. Um, both teams played a great game. Both – you know, there weren't any glaring injuries or anything, uh, any sort of funny business going on. So that, that's No a funny pretty, business. No funny business at all Mm-mm, in East Lansing that Nothing, day. nothing weird, no. It's rare that there's no funny business going on in East Lansing, but this was one right. of those days. <laughs> so and, – and, and it just doesn't – there's no nuance at all. It's just, oh, you lost. Well, you're going to drop a lot. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. You're absolutely right, Reed. Um, and, 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 and of course, and, and one, one justification I might use is, oh, well, Michigan State won by more points against Indiana and Nebraska. You know who Michigan State didn't score more points than? Michigan State. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, the teams yeah. played ahead. The two teams two played. Ago. They played. And it wasn't like, oh, it was week one. We can't hold that result. These are two completely different teams. No, they, they literally played the, the week before the, the most recent set of games. It makes no sense. These two teams are even in just about every respect, and they played a pretty even game of football where the Spartans came out on top, and yet they're not ranked ahead. It's just absolutely mind-numbingly stupid. It, I don't think I've ever seen something dumber than that. To, to pull a, a good quote from our, our good friends at One and a Half Jews, shout out to the friend of the program, Seth Engel, uh, I don't think I've ever heard something dumber than that. I mean, come on. It's, it seems like the most obvious thing ever. I think it's fair to rank these teams sixth and seventh. I think that's a a pretty good spot for them both. I would probably have Michigan a little further back. I had, I had Michigan 10th in my rankings this week, Uh, but Michigan state should be ahead of Michigan, no matter how you slice it. Right. And and I think if you had them sixth and seventh, fine, whatever, Michigan state should be the six flat out 100% of the time. Yeah, I think the I only thing mind. you can give to the committee here is the fact that Michigan State lost by so many points. It was a 40-29 game, and, and Purdue was pretty in control. Let's talk uh, about that game. The, game. the score line yeah. does not favor Michigan State, but even still, I don't agree with that ranking. Right, and, and let's talk about that Purdue game, Reed, which you, of course, called. I thought it was a little too obvious of an upset pick, but uh, I thought Purdue had gotten their upset out of the way this season. I was wrong. A double upset special for Purdue this season. They pulled off the Iowa win in Kinnick, uh, and they pulled off the stunner over the undefeated Spartans in West Lafayette. They have the chance to do triple. They have the chance to pull the triple this week against 
Ohio State, and we'll get into that in our preview later this week. Um, Reed will be in the house for that. So I will. Uh, I don't know if they'll pull it off, but they pulled this one off, and that's what counts right now. Purdue gets the big win. Huge shot into the rankings, 19th in the college football playoff poll. Uh, Aiden O'Connell, who's been inconsistent this season, um, he's really struggled in some of their lesser competition. He struggled against Minnesota, struggled against Illinois. He was elite in this game. Aiden O'Connell had an absolutely incredible day. Um, and Purdue, I think, though, they live and die with their superstars, though. They live and die with these two guys who are better than just about anybody at their position in the country. George Karloftis, David Bell. And those two guys were on their ball game all day Saturday afternoon and Purdue got the win, a big win. Um, and yeah, they were in control of this game the whole time. I know there were a couple plays here and there where it looked like Purdue was going to let it slip away. Um, but they responded, you know, strongly on defense, which is something I can't say I expected from this Purdue team coming into the season, but they would respond strongly, you know, get a big stop on third down and, and regroup and just drive down the field. Um, you know, and that was something I saw, uh, from Purdue though, in that, in that Oregon state win week one, I remember looking at this team and, and I, there, there was a moment that Oregon state came late where I thought Purdue was going to blow this. Um, they were, they were up, I think, uh, by three or something. They were, they were up by one score and had the ball late. Uh, and, and I felt Purdue is going to bottle this Oregon state's going to win Oregon state had all the momentum. And then Purdue just has a calm composed drive right down the field. And they score. And as inconsistent as Purdue has been, they've been cool in the clutch. And when it's mattered most in the biggest games and the biggest stages, Purdue has been there and they've shown up. So credit to them. Another impeccable performance on the big stage. Can they do it in Columbus this week, though, is the question. And for Michigan State, I don't think this win, I think they were due for a loss, but I don't think this loss should, you know, be a complete detriment to, to your whole season don't don't let it be a, a black mark on an otherwise great season it's still a team that can go to the new year six i don't think the playoff was ever a realistic expectation anyway they were bound to lose a game at some point schedule's not getting any easier for them they've still got ohio state they've still got penn state this is going to be a tough stretch uh for the green and white but this is still a team that can go to a new year six bowl they still do have an outside shot at winning the big 10 east it would involve a win in columbus over ohio state and that's a lot easier said than done uh, I know we talk about Purdue having a shot this week, but again, easier said than done. This is still Ohio State. It's still Columbus. It's still the shoe. Um, but Michigan State's season's far from over. This is still a team that can make a New Year's Six Bowl game. Uh, and even with a loss to a, what I think is a pretty good Purdue game, team at their best, at their worst, they're pretty awful. Uh, but this is a Purdue team that was on their A game all afternoon. So so credit to the Boilers and, and a big win at West Lafayette. I want to ask you, Patrick, how legit is Purdue? Because on one hand, you could say spoiler makers, you know, they beat Iowa, they beat Michigan State. But when you actually look at it, they've got a road win against Iowa. That's a pretty solid win. They have a win against, you know, Big Ten Championship competing for Michigan State. And they nearly beat Notre Dame on the road. I actually shouldn't say nearly, but they, they played didn't. a good game Notre, against Notre Dame on they the played, road. They played well against Notre Dame on the road. And this is, is a Notre Dame actually a, a good team? Or I want to say this about Notre Dame team. first. I think Notre Dame is an underrated team right now. I think Notre Dame is absolutely underrated. I had them at sixth in my rankings this week. The committee had them at tenth. Um, Purdue played Notre Dame strong, but Notre Dame, I think, was in control for, for that whole game. Uh, but beyond that, there have been some some absolute, you know, stinkers from Purdue this season. There, there have been some bad ones. There was the Illinois game, the Minnesota game. 
it's fair, I think, to throw out the Wisconsin and Iowa games for Purdue. Not not on the basis of they don't tell you anything about the team, but on the basis of Purdue loses to Wisconsin no matter how good or bad the teams are, and Purdue is going to probably beat Iowa no matter how good or bad the teams are. This is you know just facts of life. But this Michigan State win tells me a lot about this Purdue team. It tells me this is a team that at their best can hang with any team in the country. They certainly have the talent to. Um, they've got two elite talents, two, two talents that you know any team in the country would kill for. David Bell and George Karloftis. So, you know, if, if you're asking me right now, do I think Purdue can beat any team in college at their best? Yes. But do I think Purdue can lose to maybe not any team in college football, but I mean, they almost lost to Illinois. You know, Hey, Illinois got a big win this week against Minnesota, but I think Purdue at their worst could lose to about anybody. And Purdue at their best could beat about anybody. They are an absolute Jekyll and Hyde team. They're a wild card. Um, you never know what you're going to get with Purdue. And Saturday, we got good Purdue. Um, so this is a team you don't know what you're going to get. And uh, I, I will say at their best, though, this is a really good football team. They're officially going bowling. Uh, I think if they get a draw against maybe a decent SEC team, uh, you know, thinking about who they could potentially face, Maybe like a, I don't know, get to a Citrus Bowl level game, an Outback Bowl level game, face a, I don't know, a Kentucky or a Texas A&M or, or something like that. By the way, a Purdue-Kentucky game would be an absolute nightmare for, for somebody like me, but um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I think they could totally pull off a win in, in one of those bowl games. And, and I know Purdue has has struggled in, in bowl games recently, Um their most recent bowl game appearance they got absolutely shellacked by auburn but this team definitely has the horses to compete with the big boys and they've shown it twice this season you know and i i agree with that um they definitely are kind of like ohio state in that they i just shouldn't say they're not quite like ohio state in that they can lose to anybody ohio state can lose to a lot of teams ohio state can have uh, I in a bad day, I think is vulnerable. I think Purdue in the same way is, is pretty vulnerable. And like we said, we, we've seen it. They've had like, as you call them stinkers. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I'm worried. Bombs. I'm worried about every game on, on Ohio state schedule. And I, and I don't mean to come at everything from an Ohio state fans perspective, but I'm probably <laughs> think just we'll as some... worried about the Purdue game that I'll be going to as I am the Michigan state game. I'll be at the shoe for both of these games. And I'm worried about both of them. Mm-hmm. And, Cause obviously, cause you know, you, you can say, well, you know, they, they got their they got one upset out of the way, they got two upsets out of the way. Maybe Purdue's gonna have a little Michigan State hangover, but when you really sit and think about it, David Bell can have an incredible day against anyone. It really just comes down to whether their bigger name players are on or not. And there's really no sort of science or anything to that. If they're on, you're gonna have a rough day on defense. And if they're off, you're gonna have a much easier day. So it's really just a game of chance. It's like playing Russian roulette with this Purdue team. Um, I'm worried about them. I think, I don't think that they're going to go on and win the West, but they definitely have a chance. I think actually one of my big takeaways for this week, they is do have a, it's going tough, to win the West. It's but, tough for, it's tough for Purdue to win the West because of that yeah. Wisconsin loss. Um, and Wisconsin feel, feels like we could talk about Wisconsin. Now. I think we we've gotten a good Purdue conversation out of the way. One last note there though. I think there are going to be some, some people like, of course, Reed relates it to Ohio state classic first and 10 out there. But, uh, <laughs> We're all for it. You know how it is. But let's talk Wisconsin. This is a team that now it feels like is firmly in the driver's seat in the Big Ten West after another win this week for the Badgers. So, steamrolled Rutgers beat Purdue, too. If they can beat Minnesota, and they beat Minnesota just about every year, 
they'll have no trouble winning the Big Ten West. And I know, you know, th- there there is a lot of hype around Purdue right now, but we have to remember who won this head-to-head meeting because, hey, Mr. Committee, uh, Mr. Gary Barta, head-to-head meetings do matter uh, for things like division titles. And in the Big Ten West right now, the reason why Wisconsin's in the driver's seat and Purdue is not is because Wisconsin beat the Boilermakers. Um, but this week, Wisconsin takes Rutgers down 52-3. to uh, just an absolute shellacking. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, it feels like we've seen a real renaissance from Wisconsin. Reed, what's gone right for them the last few weeks? Well, I just want to say, you know, this is this was one of my what to watch for us this week is that Wisconsin is going to bounce back. Um, they're really going to, you know, get back on the right foot this week. And I think this is a huge – this is what Wisconsin – this is exactly what the doctor ordered for Wisconsin because they, they were really going in a rough skid. They had several losses in a row this year. They had an – ugly loss to Michigan, which I think was the worst of it. Um, and then even then, even after that, they had a solid winning against Illinois, close game against Army, didn't need to be that close. They are, are back where they need to be. They, they, they beat Iowa in a really not not very close game, and, and now they just blew the doors off of Rutgers. They're moving in the right direction. You look at the rest of their schedule. They got Northwestern at home. I – and I feel like if I say this, I'm going to jinx it, and I always – I talk about the jinx more than anything, I feel like, on this show, but – um, I think we can fairly confidently say I can say with 99.9 repeating chant, uh, percent confidence that Wisconsin is going to win that game. I can say with about 98% confidence. Actually, that's not true. I can say with about 70% confidence they're going to beat Nebraska, and I can say with about 98% confidence they'll beat Minnesota. Yeah, Wisconsin I can, yeah, absolutely I in the driver's seat to make it another painful Ohio State Wisconsin Big Ten championship. But I, and I don't <laughs> want to lock Ohio State in, but. Those these are the two teams that are that are in the driver's seat. Yeah, that's pole position right now. Divisions. And Wisconsin, it is absolutely Wisconsin's to lose. They have three, they have, you know, they have three out of the four, I think, easiest opponents in the West remaining in the schedule and remaining three games. If they don't make the Big Ten championship, that is absolutely a failure. And is they have only themselves to blame. No, I, I don't think they will miss. I, it, I think they're going to take that opportunity. They're going to run with it. I don't think mm-hmm. Minnesota ends up fighting and, and I don't think they get that spot. I don't think Purdue does either. It would take Wisconsin mistakes in order for anybody else to win this division. And, and absolutely as crazy as this sounds, Wisconsin's got a really good shot of going to the Rose bowl this year. Really good shot of going. Well, that's to the not Rose crazy bowl. at all because whoever and, no, it's crazy. As it sounds from a few weeks ago when this team was, oh. you know, sneaking past army and, and losing, you know, embarrassingly to Michigan. Uh, if you would have told me back then Wisconsin's going to be playing the Rose Bowl, I would have said, I, actually, I don't know what I would have said because they still kind of felt like they had a shot in the West because the West was just so unbelievably wide open and kind of still is. Uh, but it would have felt crazy at the time. It feels a lot less crazy now to say Wisconsin's probably going to play in the Rose Bowl because the Big Ten will always send the conference runner-up, which is the West champion nine times out of ten, um, who loses to the East team who wins it, which is – nine times out of 10 Ohio state uh, to the Rose bowl. And uh, it, it feels like we're kind of on a crash course for another Wisconsin Rose bowl. And I don't know who they'd play. It feels like Oregon right now is a playoff team, but if Oregon loses another game, Oregon won't be in the playoff. Uh, and I don't, I don't think Oregon is going to make the playoff personally. I, I think they're due for another loss. So probably Oregon, but let's say Oregon makes the playoff and they'd play like Utah I think that could be an ugly Rose Bowl, you know, with two teams more than likely ranked in the lower teens, like a, a Utah, Oregon, or a Utah, excuse me, Wisconsin Rose Bowl would be very weird. But I'm all for new teams getting shots in the Rose Bowl. 
uh, Utah would be a cool team to, to get to play there. And, and Wisconsin, if they can make the Rose Bowl this season, that would be a huge win for them. Obviously, it's one of the biggest bowl games out there. And for the Big Ten teams, uh, it doesn't get much bigger than that, period. That is one of the goals of every program is to go to the Rose Bowl. And for Wisconsin, the one thing they haven't been able to do, they have been able to get there, is win it. So I think the goal for Wisconsin for the rest of the season, not just to get to Pasadena, but to get that monkey off your back and get that Rose Bowl win, that would be huge for this program, especially in a season that at the start looked like it could be pretty disappointing. And I just say right now I'm going to lock in my pick for Northwestern to win the Big Ten West next season and go to the Rose Bowl. Because I, that seems to be what, what's going on. We're in this endless cycle of Wisconsin wins the West in, what was it, 2017, then Northwestern gets it in 2018. Wisconsin in 2019, Northwestern in 2020. Wisconsin in 21, it's got to be Northwestern in 22. Simple patterns and logic tell us this. I'm locking in the pick or they, right now, November 9th, 2021. Okay. The 2022 Big Ten West champion will be the Northwestern Wildcats. And they will play in the Rose Bowl January 1st, 23? That's got to be it. Unless the Big Ten East champ, let's pencil in Ohio State, doesn't make the playoff. It's true. That's Either true. way. Actually, yeah, Northwestern's not one to make the Rose Bowl. They'll actually be competing in That's the, what I'm saying. the Gator Bowl. Oh, not the Gator, the, 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 the Citrus Bowl. <laughs> they'll go, the they'll go, they'll go eight. No, they'll go eight and four, and they'll make the, they'll win the Big Ten West at eight and four and make the, uh, we'll give them the Outback. The Las Vegas Bowl, the Outback Bowl. Yeah, it would, you know, I would say the Hall. We're, we're really projecting here. <laughs> yeah, we'll see it. We'll see you in uh, January of 23. Mark, mark this episode down. Write this down somewhere. Uh, to our fans, to our listeners, and to read, please write this down. But anyway, yeah, Wisconsin firmly in the driver's seat, the Big Ten West. I don't see them losing the axe this year. Uh, it would take a miracle for Minnesota to win this. Let's talk about Minnesota. An absolutely shambolic performance. Brutal loss to the Illinois Fighting Illini, who are still alive and have hopes of bowl eligibility. Uh, against all odds, a big win for Prep Illinois program here. Uh, Illinois. Pulls it off against Minnesota. Reed, the playoff committee had Minnesota ranked 21st last week. Was that one of the biggest overreactions of any record we've seen in in a while? Absolutely. And and one of my my big takeaways this week is we were right about Minnesota because we said all along this Minnesota team is not worthy of being ranked, let alone ranked 20. Absolutely, that truth was verified this week by the Illinois Fighting Illini. And credit to Illinois playing a, playing a good game, a fundamentally sound game of football. I mean, that's what you expect from a Brett Bielema coach team. Uh, Illinois, have, I have I have been higher on this season than most. I you know coming into the year, I said Illinois could win six or seven games, and so did Reed. Let's let's be honest. And I saw somebody out there saying, "Who thought how many how many conference wins does Illinois have this season?" I I think the answer is three. The answer is let me let me look right now. Think of which we forgot to do a trivia question. Yeah, so three. that's our it that's our three. trivia question. Okay, it's three. Yeah, I saw somebody tweet like, "Who would have thought Illinois would have had three conference wins by now?" And I'm like, "Me, right here, right here." Absolutely, I said, I said it. Yeah, and I know Illinois right now. They they're four and six. They've got two games to play, and they've got a, a well timed bye this week. Uh, they get to rest up before the stretch run. These these last two matches of the season for the Fighting Illini. They play the Hat against Northwestern last week of the season. They get the Iowa Hawkeyes uh, two weeks from now in Iowa City. I still don't think Illinois can. I think Illinois has got a chance to to win out. I think it's more likely than anything they finish four and eight. But it wouldn't 
shock me if they went bowling because Northwestern's not very good and Iowa has been on an absolute downward spiral for the last few weeks. It's possible, but at the same time, Northwestern owns Illinois and Iowa is still a better team than Illinois. And, and, you know, Brett Bielema coaching against his alma mater. I don't know if I would take him in that, but Hey, credit where credit's due right here, right now. Illinois got a ranked win. Illinois got a ranked win on the road and they're moving on and they've still, they've still got a shot to make a bowl. They are still alive and that's what counts. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think they finished the season. I would say five and seven, but knowing the curse of the land of Lincoln trophy, right. I, yeah. Northwestern's got to win that one. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. That, that's just a simple, like we, like you say, fact of life that Northwestern wins that game. But um yeah, like you said, we both had them at around five and seven. So, you know, we haven't read about everything in our, in our preseason episodes, but <laughs> we appear to have had uh, been right about this. That's right. Yeah, nailed it. Uh, that was a horrible sen- That was horrible. Uh, that was a horrible sentence for me. We appear to have <laughs> been right. Have had been right. What the hell am I talking about? <laughs> hey, you gave it. You gave it your best shot, Reed. I applaud you. I suppose so. <laughs> Reed, what's another big takeaway of yours this week? Um, big takeaway is that Nebraska is the ultimate make you look like you suck team. Uh-huh. I mean, look at what they've done. They've never been able mm-hmm. to pull it off, but man, they made Ohio. They're the State, biggest tease. Michigan in college and football. Michigan State look like they suck. Well, I think Nebraska more more than anything, they make other teams' fan bases think this that their team sucks. And Nebraska makes their fans think that they're they're a tease. They're a total tease to their fans. They lead them on and then yank the carpet out from under them. They don't get the win. All these one-possession losses to good teams. Disappointment after disappointment after disappointment for Nebraska. And officially for the Cornhuskers, yes, folks, it happened. They're not going bowling again. Every year under Scott Frost, they've missed a bowl game. Fifth straight All I have year. to say about that is yes. Ha, ha, ha. Yes. <laughs> yes. Ha ha ha. Reed called it and I called it too. But was that even that much of a call? Because I think everybody did. But hey, Nebraska. No, nope, to- nope. I saw, I remember I said this in our preseason episode. I said, I saw somebody with them finishing second in the West with an eight and four record. And I talked about the oh, um, yeah. I amount this. of right. illegal right, substances, right. Uh, the, the influence of which one has to, be under, <laughs> uh, to think such a thing. Yeah. Nebraska. There were not people who had them going bowling officially. and a good bowl game. They're officially not going bowling. That is that is a takeaway this week. That makes me smile. Yeah. Uh, really, a, another unfortunate finish for, for Nebraska. I mean, Scott Frost, a lot of hope coming in as the coach, the savior of the program that people thought he was going to be, and it just hasn't panned out at all so far. And they've come so close this season. They've played a really – you know, they played a good brand of football. I'll say that, you know, that's a, that's a soccer term people like to throw around. They play, they've played a good brand. Uh, I've liked the way they've looked a lot of weeks. They've looked good against good teams, but it's never enough. No matter what, they always come up just short. And to fans of this team, I'm sorry. It must be the most frustrating thing ever. I feel your pain. I get it. I'm sorry. Uh, but man, <laughs> they are, I, I don't even know what to say other than frustrating to figure out. And I think they made a good call this week is another thing though, because 
Scott Frost is officially coming back for another year. The, the athletic department made it clear he's not getting fired. I know this is a controversial take. I know there are a lot of people online who think he should be fired, you know, on the spot because they're not going bowling. But they've shown signs of life this year, and that's a huge improvement. It's been a tough schedule. Uh, I think that they don't have a great roster. They have some serious talent issues on the offensive side of the football. The defense has been really good in my mind. Uh, I think they need a quarterback who can throw the football is another thing as good as Adrian Martinez is with his legs. He's, he's not a quarterback. I saw somebody say this online. I saw somebody say Adrian Martinez is what people who don't watch Lamar Jackson think Lamar Jackson is <laughs> like, that's the, one of the truest things I've ever seen. He just can't throw the ball. He, he is inept at the forward pass. And that is unfortunately something you need to be a quarterback. It's not, you know, the 1940s anymore. So Get him a quarterback, get him a little bit more of an offense. Maybe the recruiting picks up. They haven't recruited poorly. That's never been the issue for Nebraska. It's Nebraska. But if that offense improves even a little bit, this is a team that I think can go win seven, eight games. And sometimes seven, eight games can turn into eight, nine, and that's all you need to win the Big Ten West. And I think that's a success for Nebraska. But, you know, that that seems like a, a distant thought after how disappointing this season has been for, for the Huskers. But I think it's the right move to keep Scott Frost around another year. You don't want to have to pay another buyout. You don't want to have to restart the program from scratch again when there has been some momentum this year at the very least. They're playing the way that they should be playing. The results just aren't coming. And I think the last thing is why this is a good move is what the hell do you even do if you fire Scott Frost? Who do you hire? Where do you go? What do you do as ne- if you're in Nebraska? What is the direction of this program without him? It's not like they have a ton of direction right now, but there's at least a thought. Who would you even hire? What do you even do? You've tried everything if you're in Nebraska. You've tried the G5 route. You've tried the assistant route. You know, you've tried the, the homegrown prodigal son coming home route. You've tried everything and nothing has worked. What would you even do next if you're in Nebraska? I couldn't begin to tell you. And that's a job for Trev Alberts to figure out if they do in fact in a year or two fire Scott Frost, which I think is entirely on the table if the results don't come. But if the results do come, different story. We've yet to see it though. And that's why there's a discussion about Scott Frost's job right now. But I think Nebraska is making the right move, keeping him around for another year at least. There's still a lot of things that we have to decide about this team and a lot of changes that need to be made on the offensive side of the football. They cleared out their entire offensive coaching staff, which is probably a good move. They're starting from scratch on offense. So if the offense improves next year, I think the sky's the limit for this team, at least in the you know relative Big Ten West sky, which is a, a different sky than the rest of the Big Ten, probably a different sky than Nebraska fans would like to imagine. I think about eight or nine wins is, is the best they could hope for. But, you know, if the offense can be at least okay going forward, then I think they, they'll be in a good enough spot. And, you know, eight, nine wins isn't, isn't what Nebraska fans, you know, want from their program. Look at, look at Bo Pelini. He got fired for winning eight or nine games a year. That was a problem at Nebraska for him. Now Nebraska would kill to have the success they had under Bo Pelini. If they could go to a Gator Bowl, they would kill for a Gator Bowl. Reed, you agree? Oh, I think so. Absolutely. I mean, they've been, they've been not going to a bowl game. Um, for several years, they would kill for the Five quick lane. Yeah. They would kill for quick lane. They would be super excited at the quick lane bowl, though. Uh-huh. 
Right. No, totally. And, and Reid, do you think this is the right move for Nebraska right now to keep Frost around for another year? You know, typically uh, I would have said that's not the right move, but I think so. And, and given the circumstances, what he's done with this team um, this year, like I said, he's made good teams look bad. And that's at least something. There have been mistakes. There have been things Nebraska hasn't done well this year. There's also been a lot of things they did well. The defense has played a lot better than I was anticipating. Um, definitely lots to build on. And like you said, if you restart, it, it, it'd be like restarting just when things are starting to turn around. This is the year. They're, they're on the cusp. They haven't quite gotten much change yet, but they're on the cusp of some good change. So this would be the wrong time. If you wanted to do it last year or the year before would have been the year, now is not the time. I so agree. Definitely Reed. right move. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with you on that one. All right. Anything else? Any other big takeaways from you this week? Reed? Well, I just want to round out the whole Penn State take in that. Sure. Um, going back to the rankings about how there's not much nuance. I feel like rankings, the people who do the rankings don't really look at the big picture. They don't look at a team's entire season. They just look at how you did last week compared to how we used to evaluate. So, so when you look at Penn State, they go into this week after being evaluated, they were evaluated as, as an unranked team. They go in, you know, the, the score looks all right, the 31-14 score, but for a while, Penn State in this game was not in control. I said Penn State was going to come out, smack them in the mouth, and just go left and right, back and forth, smack, 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 smack. That wasn't the case. Um, so they had a little bit of a rough week in Maryland. So when you look at it from this perspective, they came in unranked, didn't look great, so no reason to rank them. But I don't agree with that rationale. I think you need to look at the, mm-hmm. at the big picture where they're a 6-3 and three team with um, – what is it? Two wins um, against teams that the playoff committee sees as good enough to rank. So they have that working in their favor. Uh, their losses. We talked about their losses. Aren't bad losses. They have a three point loss with a backup quarterback on the road against Iowa, a bad loss to Illinois. And then a pretty I mean, that Ohio state loss is one of the highest quality losses there is among ranked teams. I mean, it's hard to go into the shoe mm-hmm. late at night and, and win in front of 102,000 Ohio state fans who were all booing at you. And they did a tremendous job. They made Ohio State look weak. They exploited a lot of Ohio State's weaknesses that we thought were kind of gone um, since that Oregon loss. They brought a lot of a lot of what Ohio State did badly against Oregon resurfaced against Penn State. And I think it's a huge credit to Penn State. So I think evaluating Penn State in that way, it's, it's just a bad way of going about things because Penn State – you, you so you, it's, it's like it's like you're gonna tell me Ohio State is the number four team in the country, but losing to them by nine on the road is so bad it merits going completely out of the rankings. Right? Yeah. I just don't follow that rationale at all. And, and at the same time, you you think Wisconsin and Auburn are good enough to be in the top twenty-five, but a team with the same record who beat both of those teams isn't. It just doesn't make sense. And the committee has just done. And I hate to say this. I I I hate to. But the committee has done a poor job this season. Mm-hmm. They, they they have – I feel like they just – it feels like they don't care. It feels like they don't watch the games enough. They, they don't care about it, – it, they're just doing a lousy job. It just, there's just no rationale, no logic that would say Penn State is, is, is worse than San Diego State or worse than Arkansas. And I don't think Arkansas is bad, but but Penn State below some of these teams. I mean, they said last week, they tried to tell me Minnesota was better than Penn State. That's blasphemy. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely absurd. It just, it, it's disappointing. It's dis- we, we put all of, a lot of faith in the committee to make the right decision for us. 
And it's disappointing. I don't, I don't like the verdict they came up with it. And I know as a committee member, of course, everyone's going to, every week, there's always going to be somebody who's mad at you because you didn't rank the team high enough. This has nothing to do with my team. This is objectively, I shouldn't say objectively they did a, they did a bad job because you can't objectively really, that's a, that's a pretty subjective statement. But overall, this has nothing to do with my own personal bias as an Ohio State fan. This has to do with evaluating the better teams in college football and saying, how have you come to, the, to this set of conclusions that you've come to? Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. And I do Agreed. wish that I wish along with the rankings that there was a little, that there was a little write-up um, sort of explaining the choices to give us some more clarity instead of just, you know, maybe one guy going on an interview with ESPN saying, Oh, I thought Michigan's a more complete football team. Mm-hmm. You know, Gary Barta's, you know, short interview that, 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 that doesn't do justice to, the concerns that we as fans of the sport have. And that's also just why I think the committee and the 14 playoff need to be abolished. That's, that's beside the point though. If at the very least, if they're going to keep this system of ranking these teams with their opinions, we should at least know what the opinions are. The teams should know what they have to improve in order to get into the playoff. The teams should know. All right. You think we give up many points against bad teams or whatever. All right. We're going to stop. We're going to, you know, try to, to stop doing that. It's just, it, it makes no sense. I'm on your page here, Reed. I am with you. And unless you've got anything else, I think that'll do it for our show. Reed, anything else from you? Not at all. I, I think we just – the committee has to do better, in my opinion. That, that's the main takeaway this week. There's, of course, there's takeaways across Big Ten football, but I think the biggest takeaway is a national one. And it's that the committee just – they've come to some bad conclusions this week, I think. Agreed. I am with you there. And that'll do it for the first and 10 podcast this week. We will see you later this week to preview the next week of Big Ten football. A lot of week talk. I, uh, I think I said week more times than I ever have in a single sentence there. But that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to the first and 10, and we will see you next time. Take care, everyone. Bye.